Hey, what's up, YouTube? Uh, it's former DM, the villain Joel. I apologize for the uh, break in content that we've had recently from We're At Studios. Um, just taking a break after finishing up um, Out of the Abyss and that whole campaign. And as probably a lot of you all know, I'm a full-time teacher, so school year started up and it got a little bit busy. And I, I apologize for the, the break, but understand that you know, everybody needs one. You should take one yourself if you need to do so. Uh, you know, it's cool that nowadays we have people actually talking about, uh, you know, mental health and uh, taking time for yourself. It's good. So that's what we're doing. But um, I just wanted to be here as sort of a way to end up uh, season one, kind of like a DM send off. So it's just me uh, and my cat Tuvia, who's kind of running around being a jerk. Um, I just want to say a couple things before uh, we move on to season two, which is going to be DM'd by. Uh, our favorite Dwergar, uh, Sir Lauren, but Jesse is going to be taking over as DM. Um, so I kind of asked people to send me some questions. And I got a decent amount. I chose a couple of them um, just because I don't want to. I don't want this to be like an hour of me just rambling, um, which is going to be <laughs> like half of maybe maybe a half an hour of me rambling about shit just by myself. Um, and then also kind of preview the next campaign. I don't want to spoil anything about characters or whatever, but, you know, just give you some insight as to what's going on and, and what we're looking forward to. Um, first and foremost, just reflections on the campaign. Um, I felt like I was very prepared to run Out of the Abyss because I had read through the book twice, um, way before I knew we were going to run it. And so I think that is probably the, the best advantage that I had was just being super familiar with the um, material and then also having all of the amazing content out there on DMs Guild and um, from various other websites that kind of suggested changes. Um, and I guess this is what I get to with my like main thesis about Out of the Abyss, and I could apply this to most adventure campaigns in general, which is you know, don't be afraid to change anything. And in fact, if you sort of instinctually feel that something shouldn't be there or should be there, then do it. Um, me and TJ talk about this all the time, which is I think it's very cool to take a pre-written campaign and then all the energy that you would have spent if you were hypothetically doing a homebrew, putting that into the pre-made campaign. And I feel like it comes with good results. I know TJ did a great job with it, doing that exact same thing with um, Barovia in uh, Curse of Strahd. Kratz uh, did a really great job with it. Um, when he ran Waterdeep for us, he made that his own and, you know, homebrewed a lot of that. Nothing against pure homebrews. I just, you know, it does take a lot of energy, a lot, a lot of energy to do that from the ground up. And so... I just kind of like running pre-made modules. And so out of the abyss, I think a lot of people have said this in general. It it probably does work better as a source book rather than just a straight up, you know, adventure. I'm going to run this from the book. I constantly told the group that, you know, I'm running this as is. And the constant joke was, well, Chris Perkins wrote this, not me. Um, and that was a lie constantly because I do believe that, you know, you should have your players kind of not aware of what's going on behind the scenes. And I probably failed in that in some regards, but for the most part, I think it's very valuable to have them be on the their heels almost at all times. Um, so overall, I feel like it went really well. And I've said this multiple times as well, but I think that that is more a um, compliment to the players, to TJ, Jesse, Kratz, Elliot, um, 
and our guests who we had as well, who were there sometimes. But um, I think that really speaks to the core party more so than me because they were so receptive because Out of the Abyss is a brutal campaign. It, it, it does sort of immediately put you at a disadvantage. It's not the normal sort of power trip that people talk about with 5e, you know, where you start off strong and you become the Avengers. It's sort of any moment, you know, you are probably at a disadvantage. And I personally like that, but I understand that that's not everyone's cup of tea. And um, there's not a whole lot of reprieve. There's not a, not a whole lot of moments of where you can just kind of chill out and, and relax as a PC. And um, again, I personally like that, but I understand that can be taxing, you know, constantly being on guard, constantly thinking about what's going on is a lot. So it speaks um, to, uh, to the party. Um, I will say that I poured a lot of myself into like the extra stuff, um, which I can't even go through and say what I what I changed and what I didn't because it, it's all kind of a mishmash at this point. Um, but I did a lot of that out of the interest of my party. What are they into? You know, what what were they gravitating towards? Well, then I'm going to tweak the campaign towards what they're enjoying and still keep that element of difficulty and, and uh, adversity as well. Um, I'm just going to start going through some questions. Um, I don't have people's names written down because I'm a shitty uh, host and I didn't write them down. I just wrote down some questions that people have. I'll go through about five because I really don't want this to be, um, you know, just me rambling for for an hour because that's not fun to listen to. But here we are. Uh, so if I had the chance to go back in time and change um, something about the book as published, what would I do? I think the biggest thing is, and I, I really want to do a wear chat on this. I think the biggest thing in Out of the Abyss is the lack of a true villain. Um, I think the first half of it is great because you do have Ilvara there. And Ilvara is so cool. And and the, the drow as sort of your enemy is so cool. Um, that gets into a larger conversation about, you know, the possible uh, problematic issues with how D&D has represented different ancestries and different um, cultural groups, you know, and I understand those, but I will say that I, I personally find the drow is very complex and I think it's cool that you're taking Ilvara who is, you know, trying to work her way up, um, and trying to, 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 uh, make a name for herself. And then you throw in this madness aspect. Um, I think that's really strong. The problem is in the second half, the enemy sort of vaguely becomes like four or five different entities and it sort of nebulously ends up being like oh fight demogorgon um spoilers if you all haven't you know read through the book the way it ends is um you're supposed to kind of have this all-out demon fight and then they fight typically demogorgon who's at half strength the party does um and to me that's not a great villain um that's not a great bbeg uh only because Demogorgon and a lot of the uh, um, demonic uh, lords of the abyss haven't really been super present uh, throughout the campaign. And I think the number one thing about having a good villain is having them show up over and over again. There's a reason why Curse of Strahd is cur uh, like constantly ranked at the top of everyone's favorite D&D um, &D modules, and that's because Strahd allows um well Stra the curse of Strahd allows Strahd to be so omnipresent and and constantly in the party's face and i think there's a lot to be learned from that we were fortunate enough to play curse of Strahd again dm by tj not long before doing out of the abyss and i think i consciously and subconsciously took in a lot of lessons from that which is having that 
supposed villain be present long enough to where you learn to hate them. You learn to realize this is my adversary and this is who I'm going to go against. So long-winded way of answering that question. I think that it would be better if they sort of took this approach kind of like from Waterdeep where you have multiple options of doing a villain. I would have made, you know, all of the demon lords a lot more present from the beginning and then made it to where like, okay, well, who's your party really gravitating towards? Who do they find interested? Because I'm sorry, Demogorgon's an awesome figure, but not the best villain. I think Zugtmoy would make a very, very cool villain for Out of the Abyss. Uh, I chose Gratz only because that's who I gravitated to and that's who the party gravitated to. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of the other demon lords could be really, really good. Orcus, um, could be a great, you know, villain and he's not super present in the book. I think they just could have made it a little bit more personal for the players in terms of who they're actually going against. And that's what I would recommend is from day one, you know, of a campaign having in mind the possibility of the villain, because also you don't want to you know, hyper railroad anyone, but just putting the villain or multiple villains in front of the party and showing them, okay, these are the players. These are the people. These are your possible future foes. And, um, I think that would be really a good addition to out of the abyss since it is more of a source book rather than just a straight up adventure. Cause it's so loosely structured, um, for the most part. Otherwise I, I felt like you know, I, I have no problem with cutting stuff and adding in. So I really, really thought that it was a very useful um, module for me to use as the basis of what we were going for. And I, I think the party would agree with me um, on that in that regard. Um, favorite moment in the campaign, someone asked. And I when I think about like everything over the last, you know, two years, um, the one moment that I always come back to is at uh, Lingdon Stone when... Um, Dro became a demon and then there's that handshake with him and Rostos and I, I, I constantly think about that that handshake um, you know as a as an ESL teacher on side I, when I taught English as a second language they always said that you should be speaking 25% of the time and that your students should be taking, speaking 75% of the time and I remember there was that long interaction of like Kratz and TJ kind of talking out what they were doing and I didn't say anything for so long. Like I just sat there and listened to the story and listened to them role play out their characters. And I, I really do think that there was a lot of different ways that that could have happened. And it's very cool to see that organically develop. And I, again, I don't take credit for it. I give full credit to the players for delving into this, the system and to the game and into the world and, and really exploring their avatars. So that handshake to me is kind of, kind of epitomizes what the campaign was, you know, uh, obviously we lost Dro, um, and, and it was tragic, but then there's also this sort of like friendship, um, and this sort of understanding of, of who you are, or who you aren't, or trying to search for that. And I guess that the next question is, um, that I have here is themes and, and, and uh, motifs and ideas that kind of came out of the campaign. Um, uh, so someone asked, what are the emergent themes and uh, motifs that you notice from the story as written or your own? Um, what did you take from that? For me, the big theme of Out of the Abyss originally was, okay, let me back up. I think, again, as an English teacher, I think when you're reading a book, you can't immediately see the themes, obviously, because you haven't read the book. So 
you know, it takes a while to really get into what the theme is. And early on, I truly thought the theme was madness. And that sounds very obvious and, and blatant or sanity, right? Um, and after a long time, I think, you know, when the players interacted with the module and I changed some stuff around as well, I think the real theme was identity. And it's like the most common theme in English class or whatever. But, you know, over time, Rostos was asking himself, like, you know, am I a monster as well? People call him a monster. Uh, Dro was trying to figure out their place in drow society. Um, Nico wanted to find their own story, you know. Uh, Sir Lauren wanted to start a whole new community and establish uh, the Underdark as a, a very present force within the realm. Um, Juniper, obviously, identity, right? I mean, they, me and Elliot always talked about the idea of playing a, a character with dissociative identity disorder. And, uh, you know, he, I think he did it really well. And hopefully, we were respectful to, you know, people with a neurodivergent sort of background. Um, but yeah, obviously, Juniper was trying to find herself constantly, uh, Jin as well, right? And whether or not she was successful. Um, is up in the air, but yeah, I just feel like it was constantly about who is, who are you and who is this person that's standing next to you, you know, with the grats and the traveler thing that was constantly there. Um, there's also the thing of like, well, okay, who really did this whole, uh, operation and got the demons and the demon Lords into the underdark? Uh, it is sort of an identity type of thing, kind of a mystery that's happening there. So that, that's like the main one that I go to is identity, which I personally felt satisfied with because I get a little bit annoyed with D&D constantly falling into the trap of being a sort of moral test. You know what I mean? Like, okay, everything is about morality. And then you have DMs who get way into that and it's constantly a test of like, how gray is morality? I think that could be fun, and I think that Out of the Abyss could easily fall into that sort of thematic approach. Um, but I, I personally wasn't interested in that, so I'm glad to see that it became a little bit more personal, in my opinion. Again, I'm not trying to talk smack on anyone who uh, has a different approach, but yeah, that's that's kind of where I come from in terms of the uh, larger themes of Out of the Abyss. Um, Someone asked me, uh, what character would I have played uh, if I was playing Out of the Abyss, knowing what I know now? Um, I, I think Kratz starting with a ranger. I mean, I always play rangers. I think that makes a lot of sense for that campaign. Um, but honestly, I think it would have been really cool, knowing what I know, to play a warlock, maybe who has an allegiance with the Demon Lord. Um, I know that that sounds like it could be really, really bad for the party. But also, I like the idea of warlocks, you know, purposefully and constantly scheming to overtake their patreon patreon jesus their patron right follow us on patreon subscribe um but yeah taking out their patron and you know subsuming their portfolio and going forward with their own mission in that way rather than being completely subservient um i also really do like the fact that out of the abyss and, and campaigns in the underdark sort of give you the option to play a lot of different ancestries that you probably are not necessarily always available to play. For example, Kratz playing a drow early on in it, I thought that was really cool. And while it might seem like a little bit on the nose or a little bit broken or whatever, I think it's like, well, when when's it going to be a better opportunity to play those types of things? So um, I thought it was really cool that Jesse played a Yuan-Ti early on. 
um, and played a Dwergar after that. Um, it just gives you a lot of options. So I would probably choose a weirder race uh, than I normally, or ancestry than I normally would have. Um, I definitely lean towards elves personally, but I think it'd be very cool to play a drow or uh, even like a bugbear or something like that, which I normally don't do. I think that'd be very cool in terms of uh, what Out of the Abyss allows for and what um, the Underdark allows for as well. So last question here real quick. Um, if you were starting a new campaign from level one in the aftermath of this one, what thread would you want to explore as a DM? Um, I am still infinitely interested in um, what kind of Jesse had going on with the, the city he was creating. Um, I think that there was this cool turn. Jesse's really good at playing evil characters. We've done a wear chat on being evil. And I think that he's done a really good job over the years playing with him for, you know, a long time now of playing evil characters that aren't immediately detrimental to the party or immediately against any sort of the party's goals. Um, and he does it in an interesting way. And so I think that Sir Lauren started out as quote unquote evil because he wanted to unite all of the, um, groups of people in the, or groups of humanoids in the underdark against the, uh, above ground cultures. And that sort of, I don't want to say fell by the wayside, make it sound like I don't think Jesse was lazy about that. I think he was very uh, thoughtful of how that played out and it eventually became a little bit less imperialistic and a little bit more based around the idea of providing a home rather than taking one. So I would love to see what became of the village and town that he created. Um, I would love to see what happened with Rostos's book that he and... Uh, um, uh, Fargus made together, as well as uh, Flamenzunga. Um, I would love to see what happened with the tower that uh, Caliban is creating, you know, a new uh, the new library. Uh, it was cool. It's so funny that how Kratz, he, he was so disappointed that the library was uh, absolutely destroyed. It just, it's, it's very funny when you you sort of start to take on your, or a player starts to take on their character's traits. Like, I don't think in a total vacuum, Kratz would be super, super, super upset about a library burning, you know? Um, and maybe he would, I don't want to speak for him, but it's funny how upset he became kind of as Caliban that the the library was destroyed, that of Graven Hollow. So that was, that was very cool. And again, I mean, I'm obsessed with the blood war. So the fact that Jin Juniper is in there now, um, I think the Blood War is just arguably the most interesting part uh, of D&D lore. I can't leave it alone. You know, everything that I do personally with D&D, I always think about the Blood War. So just just having uh, an actual character involved there, I would love to see what happened with that. Um, I know I kind of hit all four characters and their endings, but I, I really do feel like they're all interesting. So, you know, whether or not we see that, cool. And if we we, we don't, that's fine as well. Um I, I wanted to leave it a little bit open-ended in case they wanted to come back because I, I know that feeling of, hey, I want to revisit this this character I had. I, I definitely know that feeling um, and see where things go after the, uh, you know, the curtain falls as we understand it. Um, so those are the questions I kind of pulled out. Uh, I got a couple other messages. I'm sorry if I didn't get to them. Um, but again, thanks to everybody for listening and supporting us. Um, I want to kind of talk about season two is what we're calling it. We're talk we're doing a rhyme of the frost maiden. Um, I'm going to be playing a uh, a cleric 
um, a life cleric human. I'm trying to play more of a basic sort of um, role, a, a support kind of role. Uh, and I'm super excited about it. I don't want to speak for other people's characters, but I know I've already kind of talked about that on the podcast, so I thought I'd throw that there as well. Uh, Jay's been killing as a DM. We've been having a lot of fun. I hope to get those episodes out soon. Um, I just can't promise much right now. I don't want to put a time on anything, so I just feel like I would you know, kind of do a send-off to season one before we get into season two. But probably most exciting thing that I have to offer you all today is, uh, so Jesse... Me and our good buddy Charles, who's appeared on the podcast as well. He's the host of E1 and Fortune Kit, and I'm in a band with him. Um, we're in Solips together. Uh, we went out to our friend's house where he's building a studio, and Jesse sort of had this uh, artistic direction for making a a true theme track for uh, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. And Jesse definitely produced it. He allowed us to kind of collaborate with him um he definitely was the like the main director of everything um in terms of who wrote it i guess it would be jesse's the main writer of it but also was very uh improvised and very loose in its direction we kind of didn't have a solid idea of what the song was until we went to the studio and just started kind of um throwing down ideas so jesse was like the main force and the main voice and then me and charles kind of added our uh, skills as well and so i'm I'm going to throw it on this track to end things out, and uh, you'll definitely hear it as sort of our, you know, where at theme to um, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. I'll definitely post it on Patreon as well, so if you all want to use it for your games. It's not the longest track in the world, but I feel like it has a really cool, doomy, icy kind of quality. So I hope you all enjoy it. Again, thanks for all the support. Um, and if you have more questions about Out of the Abyss or anything at all, um, you know, reach out to me. I'll be more than happy to answer. But uh, yeah, enjoy the track and we'll definitely be releasing season two shortly. Bye.